Welcome to the Cashflow Chronicles. I'm your host, Johnny Catani, and the founder of Catani Capital Group. For the last two years, I've been studying alternative assets and now help solve the problem of creating passive cash flow for creators, influencers, and busy professionals by bringing you five episodes a week of easy to understand education in the world of passive investing. What's up, guys? Happy Friday. Welcome to another episode of Friday Follow Up here on the Cashflow Chronicles. I am your host, Johnny Katani, and what a wild week we have made it through. Holy cow. Uh, unless you've been living under a rock, uh, you're well aware that um, the financial system is on the brink of total collapse. And while that does sound like an exaggeration, that's not not true. I'm going to be 100% honest with you guys. Uh, but let's kind of reel it in. That was obviously a, a very intense way to start out, but quite frankly, it's something to keep an eye on. Um, so let's jump right into it. As we're all aware, uh, three banks have collapsed. Uh, two of those three were the second and third largest banking collapse in U.S. history. So shout out to the U.S. financial system. Um, not the awards you want to be winning, but you know what? It happened. Uh, obviously, the most prominent one being Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, I'm going to give a brief explanation of kind of what happened with each bank. And essentially, I, I don't want this episode to be negative. Uh, what I want to do is I want to teach you guys how to make informed decisions, right? A lot of people have come to me and the big question right now is what the heck do I do with my money if I can't trust a bank? And so what I'm going to do is help you guys understand you know, how to make informed decisions, how to be patient and be able to recognize when a good investment opportunity arises. So we'll start with what happened, right? So uh, we, we have the obvious Silicon Valley Bank was more or less overexposed to treasuries. Now, overexposure, they, they were overexposed. That's actually the fact. There's, there's no subjectivity to it. They were overexposed. And I, I'm not going to sit here and defend them because it was a huge lack of judgment, you know, um, huge miss by their executives. They also didn't have a chief risk officer um, until January of this year. So basically April of last year, so April of 22 to January of 2023, they did not have a chief risk officer. Now, that's not an excuse for what happened, but that's certainly a factor, right? You, It would be crazy not to think that that was a factor. So let's start at the very beginning. So basically, the last couple of years, the economy has been on fire and startups specifically. Silicon Valley Bank is very startup friendly and they have been you know, startups have been basically flying off the shelves, right? I mean, capital coming from all over the place, venture VC firms just, you know, filling their portfolios with startups. And, you know, what that means is a huge influx of cash. And so what happens is, you know, Silicon Valley banks takes in all this cash. And then what they do with this cash is they take it and they invest in U.S. treasuries. And, if you're not familiar with U.S. Treasuries, what U.S. Treasuries are, are a bond. And if you're not familiar with what a bond is, a bond is debt. So basically, it's 
So I'll break down a treasury. So what a treasury is, is U.S. debt. You're basically buying U.S. debt. And and it's $1,000 per bond. And basically what it, the government is saying is, hey, give us $1,000 for this bond. And in X years, in this case, they were buying three-year, I believe three-year. They, they, they had a mix. Uh, I believe they were doing three and five-year. Um, but basically, you know, you can do these uh, treasuries, they call them uh, T-bills when you're below a year. But basically, you can have like three, six, 12-month, three-year, five-year, 10-year, 30-year maturities. And basically, what you're doing is you're saying, here, U.S. government, here's $1,000. And in return, you get this bond. And what they're saying is that in in this case, we'll just use a three-year. In three years, we're going to give you $1,000 back plus interest. In this case, they were right at about, I think the average interest rate was 1.8%. If you, And for good reason, right? The interest rates were very, very low over the last few years, which is why a lot of people investing, which is why real estate got so hot, all the things, right? Because what happened is during COVID, you know, the economy slowed down so much that in order to uh, basically fuel the economy, the Fed brought the interest rate basically down to zero. And so the Fed rate, which is zero, is the rate that banks are charged when they borrow money. And so how it works is when you want to go buy a house, you go to the bank, you say, hey, Mr. Banker, I want to buy a house. They're like, all right, cool. They don't have, you know, 300000 typically just sitting there. So what do they do? They go borrow money from the Fed at the overnight rate. Well, in this case, the overnight rate was basically zero. So it was basically free money. And so the reason interest rates are so low is because there's what's called a spread, could be also referred to as a delta. And that spread above whatever the overnight rate is, is what banks charge you and how banks make their money, how lenders make their money. We'll just say lenders um, could be a bank, but uh, doesn't necessarily have to be a bank, right? And when you go to a lender, this is why they're borrowing at an overnight rate, because typically lenders don't have a big cash supply, right? They go borrow money and then lend it to you uh, with the spread. So, so the treasuries, because they're so safe, they're backed literally by the U.S. government. They're about as close to a guaranteed investment as you can get. Interest rates are typically low because you're more or less guaranteed to get your principal plus interest back at maturity. So to come full circle, the Silicon Valley Bank was taking all these deposits in, right? Huge influx of deposits. And then turning around and buying U.S. Treasuries at a low interest rate, it's a safe investment. So in their defense, it's a it's a safe investment. However, where the issue lies is that the deposit started to slow down. And what happened is last year, as we all know, interest rates were raised faster than they've pretty much ever been raised before, you know, sub the 80s, right? So basically, the the 80s was the last time we saw interest rates be raised this fast. And so what ends up happening is when when you you can buy bonds on the open market at different maturity rates. So you don't have to buy them, you know, at auction when they're produced. You can go and buy a portfolio of bonds. 
And so what that does is that makes them tradable on the open market, just like you would trade a stock. You can see the price of your bonds move up and down basically like a stock. And because interest rates went up so high, what ended up happening is all of a sudden they have these bonds with like a 1.8% interest rate. And they're not as valuable because now you can go into the open market and go straight to the treasuries and buy a bond with like three and a half, four percent interest, right? Now, 1.8% interest doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're talking about billions of dollars, right? 1% of a billion dollars is, I think, I want to say 10 million. I'm going to hang on. Don't, don't quote me on that. Quick mass here. Yeah, $10 million. So, so you're talking about basically, you know, a billion dollars in three years will give you a billion dollars plus essentially, you know, 10, $10.8 million back, right? Pretty safe bet, you know, when you have that much money. However, what happened is because interest rates went up, those the value of those went down. Now, that's not really a big issue when your plan is to hold them through maturity and get your principal plus interest back. However, where the issue arises is that they went out and invested too much. And because they invested too much in those bonds, they didn't have as much available to give to people to withdraw. And because interest rates were going up so high and not as many startups were being funded due to, you know, it being a higher higher interest rates which means that when VCs go to borrow money, they you know, it costs them more money. It costs them more to get access to that because they have to pay, you know, an interest rate, a spread basically. And because their cost of capital was so much higher, deposits, you know, they weren't just give, handing out money like they were two or three years ago. And so because the deposits started to dry up, there wasn't money coming in, but there was money starting to come out. And what ended up happening is a big time investor, Peter Thiel, caught word of this and basically went and took out $40 billion. After that, he then told all of his portfolio companies, so basically all of the all of the startups in his portfolio that he's a venture capitalist for to go and take money as well. And this is what caused what they call a run on the bank where everybody goes and start to take money out at the same time. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And because of social media, it fulfilled itself very quickly before that they could really do anything to liquidate and make uh, capital available or money available to withdraw. So the what ends up happening is everybody's like, holy cow, I need to get my money out. They're not going to have enough money. I'm worried I'm not going to be able to get my money. Everybody hears that. And then what ends up happening, they don't have enough money. So there you have your self-fulfilling prophecy of doom. And so what ended up happening is they sold their bond portfolio and ended up taking a $1.8 billion loss, which is very material. And we're insolvent. And what insolvent means is basically same thing that happened to FTX. They didn't have enough cash to cover withdrawals. Therefore, I had to close their doors and turn themselves over to the FDIC. That then sparked a regional bank run where more pe where people were worried that their monies, 
SVB is considered a regional bank. It's not big enough to be like a JP Morgan Chase or Wells Fargo or a Citibank and so on. And so because of that, they there were runs on more banks. And so you saw Signature Bank go down in New York City, have to turn itself over to the state of New York. And, and but theirs was an overexposure to crypto, but same thing where more or less, you know, crypto has been down so much that, you know, they became insolvent very quickly because they weren't able to go and liquidate and, and be able to recapture the money. And then you also have uh, Silvergate Bank, same thing, cryptocurrency, right? So I tell you all of this and the whole story and break it down for you uh, to help you understand because what's happening right now is the U.S. government stepped in and the Fed stepped in and basically decided they were going to make all the depositors whole. Now, how does this work? Well, we've all heard of the FDIC, or at least I hope you have, Fed, Fed Federal Depository Insurance Company. I believe is what it stands for. And basically what that what they are is basically a giant pool of money, giant pool of funds that gives depositors guaranteed insurance up to 250,000. Meaning if you have $250,000 or less in a bank account right now, you are guaranteed to be covered. The FDIC says that. That's part of uh putting your money with a bank. Hey, up to $250,000 Mr. Depositor, you are covered. So what I would tell you is if you have less than $250,000 in cash, $250,000 or less, you should not be worried at all, uh, barring an entire economic collapse. And even then you're still safe because again, you're backed by, you know, we saw it in 08, you were safe, right? Your, your money, cash was safe. And in these moments, cash becomes king because... Where the heck are you supposed to, you know, put your money, right? And so what's happening is, you know, the stock market's, you know, getting dragged through the mud. You know, I'm victim of that. Cryptocurrency is getting dragged through the mud, although they see a, they saw a tick up because people had no idea what to do with their money. The irony there is that crypto was supposed to be the safe haven and kind of the anti-establishment for banks, but the issue that crypto is running into is that it's only worth what somebody else is willing to pay for, and it's not backed by anything. And so that's the issue it's running up against. So what the heck are you supposed to do with your money, right? Uh, you can go buy gold. Um, uh, well, so I, I want to step in here with a disclaimer. I'm not a financial advisor, CPA, or attorney. So please consult licensed advisors, CPAs, and attorneys before you make any investment decisions, right? This is merely me educating and putting in my two cents. And it's probably not even worth two cents, probably worth about 0.05%, uh, 0.05 cents, not even a whole cent, but I've got some experience, right? I was a stockbroker, been through the crashes. I've talked to countless people, wealthy, not wealthy, everything in between. And so Here's the thing. When the market crashes like this, it does present an opportunity. And so what I want to help people understand is that 
there's a lot of chaos happening right now. We're not really sure what's going to happen. There's no way of knowing what the total economic fallout is going to be. It could be contained. It could cause a domino effect and ripple through the entire globe. Who knows, right? We we don't know. People are paying attention and, and you can look and get updates as, you know, this is kind of the hot topic right now. So a lot of um, news outlets are covering it around the world. But, you know, what the heck are you supposed to do, right? So the, the reason that I want to talk about patience and mindset is because Andrew Carnegie said a long time ago, when there's blood in the streets, buy real estate. Now, he said that basically during the first huge, uh, the Great Recession in, uh, well, 08, I think they're calling the Great Recession, whatever the recession was called in like 1929. Because what ends up happening is everybody, people stop spending money, right? Like, you know, you, I, I'm willing to bet that when the CPI report comes out from this month, it's dropped um, somewhat significantly because people get afraid, don't want to spend money. They're not sure what's going to happen. You know, they're only buying the necessities. And what ends up happening is when there's less demand for stuff, what's going to happen? The price is going to come down and that's going to be across the board. So you're talking real estate, you're talking consumer goods, you know, and everything in between. It's very important to essentially look back at history right now and realize that this is an opportunity. And I realize that's challenging to understand because we're in this like wild economic chaos, but look back at 08, okay? Let's look at real estate specifically. Minus those who got absolutely crushed in 08 because they were over leveraged and made all these mistakes and, and all the mistakes that were made in lending. What you don't hear a lot about, but if you've been listening to the podcast, you've heard guests talk about the ones who set them up correctly are millionaires now because home prices were so cheap in 08 that they went out and just bought everything they could, right? Dilapidated, not dilapidated, you know, at auction from the banks, out of foreclosure, you know, cash, you know, just walking up to an, a distressed owner and just bu just bought whatever they could. And if you did it correctly, those people are legitimately millionaires now because what they did is they recognized that that was an opportunity because the market was going through a cycle just like it is now. And just like all market cycles, we will eventually come back out of this. And so what I want people to understand is it's very, very easy to get caught up in the short term and just see nothing but chaos and panic and have no idea what to do. But what's important is to take our view and look one year, three years, five years, 10 years down the road. And when you look back through history at a, a moment, a downward cycle, and then you look five years later, you see that we're at a different part in the cycle, typically on our way up or even out of it. In 08, you know, you're talking 2013, 14, all of a sudden real estate started exploding. And ever since then, it's exploded. And now we're coming back to the bottom part of the cycle and it's going to do it again. And this is what I want people to understand that it's very important to start paying attention now, right? Now we're all awake. Now it things are going crazy. And so what's important is to start 
looking in your market. If real estate's a thing you want to pay attention to, that's the thing that I'm going to help uh, and talk about with now is start paying attention to your market. Understand what your market is like. What's a typical home price like? What's typical duplex? Whatever asset you're looking for, single family, apartments, whatever it is. What's the typical price of that, right? What was it a year ago? What is it now? Okay, what are rents? If I buy a single family home as an investment property, what can I get for rent right now? What was it a year ago? What can I get right now? And the reason that I tell you all this and why it's so important is because if you are paying attention, you're going to be able to recognize when an opportunity presents itself because I promise you there are people paying attention and there are people doing their due diligence and those people are going to be the ones who snatch up the deals and in five and 10 years are millionaires. And if you're not paying attention, you could get slapped in the side of the head with a good deal and you wouldn't know it. And someone who was paying attention is going to be able to recognize it and they're going to take it from you. So it's important to take a deep breath and peel back the layers of the chaos and pay attention to what's happening and recognize when the opportunities come. And I promise if you do that, well, I'm not going to make a promise because I'm not a financial advisor and I, I can't make promises, but Here's what I'll tell you. I promise if you're paying attention, that opportunities will present themselves. How about that? What you do with that opportunity is up to you. But the best thing you can do, find someone who does know what they're talking about. That's what I would do. Start there. If you're brand new to this, go find someone who knows what they're talking about. You can reach out to me. I'm not necessarily an expert, but you know, if you're just starting out, safe to say I probably know a little bit more than you. But um, you know, start. Start finding people who could be potential partners and find a way to add value to them. If you know how to find good deals already, then go start finding good deals and, and putting yourself out there to bring good deals. If you have access to capital, go find someone who needs capital. I promise you, everybody needs capital. That's why I became a capital raiser because you can go to anybody, whether you're in single family, duplexes, fourplexes, eightplexes, 200 units, a portfolio of a thousand units, they always need capital, right? That's just the way that it works. So find a way to add value. Um, the two best ways I've talked about being able to find deals and capital, two best ways right there. And start paying attention, start paying attention to your local market. If you're in a good market and quite frankly, with the opportunities presenting themselves, it's hard to not you know, almost any market's going to be good, but let's say you live in a rural area, you know, but you're near a primary market or a tertiary market, which is basically just like a, a subsection of a primary market. Go start paying attention, go start looking at listings in that area and start to, you know, get data because what, how you're going to be able to recognize a good deal is by understanding information and being able to make an informed decision. That is how people get rich is they learn how to make informed decisions. And when the information presents itself, they're willing to take the risk to go do it. Because ultimately what this is going to come down to you guys is even when you have a good deal, I promise you that it's still going to require a little bit higher amount of risk than you may be used to. If you've never done a real estate deal aside from buying your own house, and if buying your house was challenging because 
of the risk involved, then this may not be for you. I'll be hundred percent honest. It might not be for you, but if you're willing to accept the risk and understand that the market's in a cycle and you are probably going to have an opportunity and you want to be able to recognize when an opportunity comes, then you need to be willing to make that risk when the opportunity presents itself. And those are the ones who are going to be smiling and looking back happy because they took advantage of the opportunities that were available. So there it is a long episode today, but I wanted to cover all of that and give a big, long explanation as to why, you know, we should be paying attention right now. And, and that despite all the chaos, the irony of this chaos is this is when the opportunities are going to present themselves. So appreciate you guys listening. Hope this was valuable to you. Uh, reach out. Of course, as always, you can follow me on Instagram at Johnny Katani, Johnny with no H. Um, go to investwithkatani.com. Get on my list. You'll be the first one to get my five steps to passive investing video series. Uh, we're, we're nearly to completion. So very, very excited for that. You'll have first access and I will talk to you guys next week. See ya. Thank you again for tuning in. Who do you know that wants more cash flow? Share this episode with them so you can grow your cash flow together. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you're subscribed on your platform of choice so you never miss a new episode. Go to katanicapitalgroup.com to learn more.